Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Hey, Joe. What's going on? Hey, where are you going with that sauce in your hand? I'm going to bbqdistro.com. Rub in a box. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you got to have those jokes. i cut your laughter now. I, I love it. It's amazing. All right. So what, what do we have on this month's subscription bots? Who's the new joint? So we're, I know how much you hate the tapping, but I'm going to do it no matter what. And it is Stanley's. Stanley's famous pit barbecue in Tyler, Texas. Yes, it is. Mr. Nick is going to be cooking. And we're so excited to have him on this month's subscription box. It's going to be amazing. So anyone that signs up for the subscription bots gets access to the Pitmaster videos with you and the guest Pitmaster. This this month will be Nick Pensis. And they're going to get two featured products from Stanley's Famous Pit Barbecue in Tyler, Texas. One of the oldest barbecue joints on the Texas Monthly Top 50 list. Yes, and he is just absolutely staple in East Texas. And we're so excited to be able to take him to the world because, you know, Texas has the best barbecue in the world, and we want to spread it everywhere. And really excited about that, and you're going to get a live Q&A with them also. There you go. Joe's ready to spread it everywhere, guys. <laughs> spread that love. And Zavala's Barbecue Distro is a great way to get those sauces, rubs, and other items from places that you don't normally go to. So if you live in Dallas, if you live in Houston, if you live in San Antonio, sign up, and you'll be able to get sauces and rubs from all over Texas without having to do the driving. And you'll do that at bbqdistro.com slash tails. That's bbqdistro.com slash tails. Howdy. Welcome to a very special episode of Tales from the Pits. This is a roundtable edition. And episode number two freaking hundred. That's Brian. This is Andrew. And we have quite a few people here. So let's start on the left and work our way across the tables. We have... Christina Rahino, Aaron Rahino, Isaac Ariano. Ashley Ariano, Jewel Hill, Michael Flores, Adam Serna, Arnest Robbins, Mallory Robbins, Ian Timmons. And just for a recap for anyone listening that may not know, we are talking with Rahino Barbecue, Pit Forks and Smoke Rings, Hill Barbecue, Friends Barbecue, Evie Mays Barbecue, Tom and Bingo's Barbecue. We're in West Texas, folks. We're in Lubbock. We are live here at Evie Mays Restaurant here in Wolferth. And uh, we love coming out here. It's been a long time since we started coming out here. It's been a long time since we've been back here. But uh, we started thinking about this, I think, September of last year. Um, we said, yeah, next year we, we like doing these roundtables. They become a lot of fun to get everybody together. And we're like, where, where should we do it next and year? And they're so easy to do. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're not cumbersome at all. But we were like, we've got to go back to West Texas. And so this, the idea started flowing in our heads from them and just kind of grew from there. But uh, thank you guys for joining us. Let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about everyone's business, where it's at, both in the life cycle of the business and physically, geographically, where you guys are at. Rahino, you guys have some news. Where are you guys at? Yeah, so we're in Olton, Texas, about 45 minutes north of Lubbock. And we've currently operated out of a food trailer, out of a permanent spot, but we are uh, close to moving into our brick and mortar, hopefully in uh, two to three weeks. And, and one of the things interesting, uh, kind of trivia with Rahino, the first time we ever met you was in the line at Tejas Barbecue. Yeah, we've met some some of these folks in some interesting places. The first time we saw Hill Barbecue was at John Miller's Black Box Barbecue in Georgetown, Texas. You guys were at the bench next to us when we were recording with John Miller. Yes, yeah, that, I remember that. That was many, many years ago. I think it was before you guys had even really launched the, the trailer in the first location. Is that right? I, yeah, I think we were still in Loveland at that point or maybe had just, I think we were here, I think we had just left Loveland. But gotcha. it was a long time it, ago. It was, yeah. a very, it was a very long time ago. Pit forks and smoke rings. Hey. You, you guys have had some uh, some upgrades and changes in your business lately and some added services. What's the latest going on in Slayton, Texas? Barbecue. <laughs> 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 no, nah, man. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a crazy, crazy year. We had a... We, we got a new addition to the shop now. We have an indoor dining spot, which was the old mechanic shop that is now our indoor dining, converted over. Uh, took the act of God pretty much to do it, uh, so to speak, man. It, we had a updraft storm come through, the making of a tornado that 
whatever whatever happened, what started there. And There's a lot of storm stories that go along with your barbecue yeah, tail. I mean, yeah. we'll never forget the Haboob story with the propane tank that you told us when we interviewed you a couple yeah. years Damn, back. Damn, for real, right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah, we get yeah. to talk about boobs on the show again. Yeah. Bernie <laughs> Mac. Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac, the yeah. 500. Yeah, uh, yeah, so after that storm, it ripped the roof off of our uh, mechanic shop and some of the actual kitchen, and we got it back in place, and... Here we are. So as of December, we opened up the uh, indoor dining part, and man, it's been uh, it's been a new a new portal that opened up. You know, it's it's been exciting. The the changes and the growth that we've seen in West Texas barbecue the last six seven years has been just enormous. And then the newest place on the block now, up and coming, is Friends Barbecue here in Lubbock. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to say, over the years, we follow probably everyone that works it or has worked at Evie Mays. And one thing I know about them is they all love Jimenez. <laughs> like, we see it all the time on Evie Mays' feed and the feed of people that work at Evie Mays. And so tell us a little bit about the, the taqueria and now what you guys are you're launching for the barbecue business. Yeah, so our taqueria, it's just kind of, I don't know, a spinoff of the bakery and restaurant that we <coughs> had in downtown that started with my grandparents uh, back in 1969. Um, those recipes that we're using today are the recipes that were used back then from my grandparents grandfather that started that my grandmother those were her like you saw those and everything uh, those are my mom's recipes now the bakery items those are well, those are ours we try to stay true to that and uh, going barbecue wise we are trying to just incorporate smoked items because uh, that is something that is really just near near and dear um, to really everyone here in Texas and that's something we want to incorporate we just want to offer a different element and well messy tacos it's uh, well, it's fun, so might as well just make some barbecue and some messy tacos. It's delicious. <laughs> Is there going to be Word. some crossover with truth. that with some of the gravies or the, or the styles into the barbecue side? There are. Um, as time goes on, we do plan on taking over some of the stuff uh, from my mother because well, the older she gets, we want to kind of ease up the load on her. Uh, she's more of a baker than anything, so we kind of want her going into that. And uh, right now we're playing with the barbacoa with that she's been just doing for years and uh that one it's been it's been pretty fun it's been uh just really a blast for everybody involved and the customers they are just truly enjoying it so uh we do plan on taking over some of them like the next one we plan on doing the chili verde so that's going to be a fun one well and so speaking about kind of tradition and and all of that let's let's talk with ian a little bit on Tom and Bingo's. Yeah, well, let's talk about the first time we met Ian. I, I remember yeah. this vividly. It was the day after we had helped Zavala's Barbecue at Smoke Dallas. Uh, we went to Goldie's, which, which was not even open at the time. Um, but Ian was was taking a class with the Dylan and the Goldie's guys. Word. I think I still have a picture of all of us like on the stairs. That was yeah. That feels that like a, a long time ago. That was a cool day. Yeah, I just want to say this feels like, like the most Game of Thrones thing that I'll ever <laughs> feel, <laughs> and I'm really loving it, and I'm trying not to speak in like a colonial British accent, so <laughs> this is cool, but yeah, that was a cool day, yeah. Which one would be the Mother of Dragons? Oh, shit, I don't know. <laughs> the guy over there, the one with the Lone Star in his hand right now. <laughs> Arnis is Khaleesi. All right. We, all right. I'll take it. <laughs> so, so Ian, let's talk about, uh, you know, talking about um, original ideas and tradition. You know, when you came back to the restaurant that you would eventually take over full time, like, what were you thinking? I mean, again, we talked about meeting you at Dylan, and, and some of your ideas were to kind of bridge the tradition and the new, but how is it trying to keep that together with your old customer base and the new customer base? Yeah. So when I saw you guys, that was probably three years after I had taken over two or three years after I had taken over. I didn't know this entire world existed for like the first five years that I was in barbecue from 2009. I didn't, it, it was a shock to me that this whole thing existed. So, um, yeah, when, when I saw you guys, uh, at Goldie's for the class, we were just starting to kind of open the opportunity to maybe cook something a little bit different. Um, before that, it was all chopped brisket sandwiches, uh, you know, not like seasoned briskets, nothing like that. So s putting any kind of seasoning on a brisket was kind of a big deal for us. Um, 
and that was what that's when I met you guys. That was cool. How was it taking over? I mean, what I mean, you got to keep up with the evolution of barbecue. What I you know, that's kind of what it was. It's uh, you keep up or you fall behind, type of thing. I mean, Texas barbecue and the competitions coming so quickly everything's evolving so fast that that really doesn't exist anymore i don't know i don't know well one of the big parts of the evolution of barbecue that we've seen is the evolution of of barbecue pits arnis is one of the well-known pit builders in barbecue ian you have probably one of the most unique pit setups i've ever seen i have no idea how you produce the quality of barbecue you do in such a non-traditional and what people think of today as you know, the, how a pitch should flow, how a pitch should be set up. How did you adapt the, the methods that you were learning, these modern methods, to the old school pit room that you have? I didn't learn any modern methods, so I didn't, I just learned what I know. I didn't know anything else, so it was pretty easy. <laughs> so you just made, you, you made it work, you figured it out. Yeah. You know, Arnis, you know, talking about tradition and evolution of barbecue, it it really hasn't been that long ago, but it feels like an eternity in barbecue years. It's kind of like dog years, right? Every year is like seven years to you. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about how you, know, you, you married the traditional ways but put your own spin on it. And how, is that changing now, or are you still holding tight to all of that? The big thing for me is when I got into barbecue, whenever I realized I had this crazy passion for cooking barbecue, I was in Arizona. Uh, that's where we started selling uh, barbecue on the side of the road. Uh, we were selling to a consumer that had no idea uh, what it was supposed to be like. They had no basis for traditional Central Texas-style barbecue. I had no basis for Central Texas-style barbecue. I didn't grow up eating Texas-style barbecue. Um, I just I had been cooking in the backyard on an electric smoker for a few years or, or a year, and realized I really enjoyed cooking more than I liked eating, but it's not very much fun to cook on an electric smoker, so and I... And when you say electric smoker, this is pre-pellet, right? Oh, this yeah. Is, no, yeah, no, no, no. This, this is, is like, like straight up yeah. uh, like heat, electric heating element with wood chips, uh, vertical cabinet. Um, but I realized I really, really enjoyed cooking quote-unquote barbecue, and I wanted to learn how to cook live fire. So I built my first uh, offset pit. And this was 2013, and there wasn't, there weren't these websites and YouTube channels and all this stuff where you could go to learn exactly how to build a pit. Um, I, I saw one diagram. It was a cross section of a of a re- reverse flow pit. And if anybody's ever heard me talk about how I got into this, you've already heard the story. But for me, I thought it looked like a more manageable um, firebox. Uh, it kind of mitigated the flame actually making contact with my cooking grate. I didn't know how to manage a fire. I up to that point in my life, like every time I tried to build a campfire or like a fire in a fire pit, it, it was just awful. Um, so I needed something that was very user friendly, and that looked user friendly to me. Um, so um, all that to say, I got into barbecue. Like I, I tell people, I backed into barbecue. Um, I built a pit that I didn't know how to use, and it was only after I built the pit that I learned I taught myself how to use it and I didn't have a lot of outside influence I didn't have I didn't go on a three-year barbecue tour eating barbecue across the state to figure out what I like and what I don't like I had Mallory and a one-year-old and those were my taste testers and I I wasn't trying to make the best barbecue I just wanted to I wanted to cook with fire I wanted I, I enjoyed cooking I still enjoy cooking much more than I enjoy eating it. Like that's 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 why I do it. I have a passion for cooking it. Um, what's hard is I never worked in the restaurant industry. I didn't go to through any kind of culinary program. I don't think any any of us have. Um, the scene now, we're getting culinary geniuses that are coming into the barbecue world, and they are doing things that are unbelievable. Um, I mean, even like. Um, Burt Bean, a good example of somebody that's got the same passion that we have combined with a proper education uh, in the culinary arts, and it's unbelievable what they're doing. I don't want to do that. Um, I, I'm, I'm simple. What we cook is simple, and that's okay. It, it's, 
good can be simple. Like like how many proteins um, and how many sides and how many it, desserts? It, yeah. They yeah, say it's simple. simple. Yeah. Their their menu no, has no, no, like but, 50 it, items. Okay, but but yeah. you know n- none of none of the sides, none of the desserts, aside from being gluten free, um, they're not complicated. They're very very straightforward. We I would rather take a an extremely simple approach to what we do and execute it extremely well every time than over over complicate things. I have no business acting like a chef around here. Um, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I know that I I like good food, and and I feel like um, our team and what we've built here and our processes all uh, are built on a foundation of of creating something very simple. Um, very repeatable, and it's good. It, it, it's something that um, that the masses should enjoy. That's that's my hope. Uh, but we are absolutely not complicated. But as far as kind of the evolution of barbecue where it is now, there there are these really really brilliant chefs coming into the barbecue scene that are doing things that are awesome. And, and and just just the flip side of that, and and we're we're the lucky ones on the other side of the table that just get to you know enjoy the the hard labor that you guys put in. We get to eat the food. That's the easy part of it. But having eaten both the the most humble, pure form of barbecue, having eaten the the chefed up stuff, it's all delicious. It, you don't have to have a culinary background to do this. You have to have an overwhelming desire to work, to serve, and and to produce meat cooked with fire you know and and sometimes having a chef background can kind of get in the way of that because you can overcomplicate it um, but some of the most badass barbecue that we've eaten from people at this table have been just a really basic rib or a really well-made side or or a damn good hamburger you know and, and those things don't have to be 50 ingredients and 18 different techniques they just have to be really good food and one of the places we had really good food at two years ago um and you've been there even prior to that i think brian's been to every location that hill barbecue has had you've been to loveland we both were at the trailer in lubbock um the evolution of hill barbecue and everything that you guys have gone through opening your business and expanding your business jewel let us know a little bit about how you and andrew got started in this and how you turned it into what it is right now um well pretty much andrew has been in barbecue gosh since he was like 16 years old Um, When he met me, I was a vegetarian, so at some point he convinced me it was cool, and (laughs) now here we are. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's been really awesome. I mean, we've been in our building now going on two years, so I feel like it's been a really good blessing for us. As as you developed your menu, um, what what were your influences on that? I mean, we know there's a nice heavy pepper rub it was the a little cheesy papas yes, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but but what were some of those influences like where did you get those ideas from um so basically like andrew grew up cooking with his mom and his granny um so a lot of our sides and stuff like that are kind of just recipes that are passed down from them but changed a little bit and uh we also try to we try to keep things really simple as well i feel like that's the best kind of way to be able to hand things off to people um, so we've kind of trained ourselves to do like the most minimal ingredients, um, but still really good sides. So, so what I'd like to do is we'll just kind of go around the room a little bit. Um, I, I want to have a little bit of fun. What is something that you would like to put on the menu, but you just don't think that the general public would, would like it, or maybe it's too complex or too difficult to do. Um, and we'll start on the left side with Rahino. And I know you guys have done some really some really complicated desserts as well, but is, is there anything you'd really like to cook? Like maybe something that's personal to you, but you're just not sure if, if the general public would buy into it? Uh, here lately, Christina's been doing a lot of cooking at home. Um, and she makes really great pasta. So I don't know how that would go over as, you know, in the barbecue world or if people would be receptive of that, but that's something we talked about coming into our new building is uh, maybe offering some type of um, brisket barbecue. lasagna yeah. or yeah. some kind of pasta. Well, and you guys are going to have like a, a market type, you know, because that could even be a not a even if it's not a special something, a bake at home dish. I'm I'm just being selfish here because yeah, I like yeah. to take it home <laughs> and cook it. But. Yeah, that's definitely the plan is to utilize some things that may be left over or something that has to be used up. Uh, so we've kind of been playing around with that for a little bit. So 
that would probably be the thing that we would like to try to add and see how that goes. All right, pit forks. Is there anything you'd like to, uh, you'd really like to put on the menu that maybe you haven't yet? Or that, and again, it can be complicated, and that's why you don't need to do it, or it can just be that you're not sure that the public would buy into it enough? Oh, man. I think my thing was the cabbage, and nobody bought into it for a long time, and then they finally did, and now that's the first thing to always sell out usually is cabbage. Mm -hmm. That that braised cabbage you guys do is so darn good. It's so good. And thank Carla you. cooks that. She does a great job. Everyone that listens to this is going to roll their eyes when we say it, but we talk about pork steak in probably 197 of the 200 episodes, so we're going to do it again. Thank you for putting pork steak on yes. the menu. <laughs> Love to see it. Yeah. Hope it's selling well. It does. It, it does well on yeah. Fridays. We, we, know that it's, Fridays. It, we know that it's hard to hold. We know that, that doing it direct heat is the best way, but that also complicates things for you guys. And we know that uh, the general public, a lot of the general public, has absolutely no idea what it is. Um, but we love it. so it's a, Yeah, we're it's just a, selfish. Yeah. It's a glorified big pork chop, man. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it, huge. It's what a pork chop wishes it could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and one day it'll grow. I'm going to be that one day. <laughs> Jewel, is there something that you'd like to to throw on the menu but maybe you're just holding back on honestly i don't know i feel like we're kind of crazy and if we feel like making something different we just will um and that's kind of how we do our little pop-ups or whatever well, so what what is some some dish that you did put on there that um, um so we did a, like a fried chicken pop-up here recently that went over really well um we do our steak nights sometimes so that was cool i don't know maybe a pizza we're kind of we haven't conquered the bread thing yet so that's kind of interesting to me to make our own pizza dough and do something like that maybe friends i mean i know you guys are still in, in your early career but is there something that you'd really like to put on there that maybe you're just people aren't ready for yet oh yeah for like well we both have our we both have our items that we wouldn't would want to do we really want to play homage to uh kind of our roots and to really our family for me i would like to do like the whole head of the cow like i would love to put on that show just get in the smoker, just really, and just have it in front of the people, like, kind of freak them out, because as a kid, like, <laughs> whenever you're kind of butchering an animal, uh, the parents or your uncles, they will kind of send you to the fridge and have you pull something out of the freezer, and you open that thing up, and there's just a head, just right there, just staring at you. <laughs> so for me, it's the cow, uh, just that cow head for Adam, it's going to be something close. Yeah, not exactly a head, but it's a, a whole animal. I know, I know there's a bunch of red tape around it, which makes it kind of hard for us to do, but I, I've always wanted to do a whole a whole cabrito, like a whole goat in the ground somewhere. Obviously, you can't do that inside the city limits, um, but I, I'd, I'd like to find some land somewhere someday and, and kind of pay homage, like he said, to to our... Can you do it in the Wolferth city limits? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Slayton, Wolfert too. Slayton. Something that I don't yeah. know, so... Because I, I can dig a hole. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's all, that's all you need. You need some wood, some fire in a hole, and, and we'll, we'll get it going. But, yeah, just like we said, we want to pay homage to to our roots and to, to the flavors and the and the, the, the palate profile that, that we grew up with as kids. Uh, I, I can remember being, you know, in Brownfield, Texas. I, I won't tell you where exactly because we, we were digging holes out there. Um, and we probably shouldn't have, but cooking whole pigs in there. You know, just like he said, you get scarred a little bit. You go out there and you, you see your uncles kill the animal and you hang them up and you, you drain them and you do everything. And, you know, you're a kid and, and you're trying to figure out, what you know, what's going on? What, why are we doing this? And then, you know, it, it brings everybody together. And I think, you know, sharing your table and sharing a whole animal with somebody where it takes uh, it's a very labor-intensive process to kill the animal, to butcher it, to, to make sure all the parts are being used how, how you want to use them. You're not wasting too much stuff if possible. Um, I think if we could get some way, Arnis, looking at you, if <laughs> we'll come out here and, and do a whole cabrito, a whole goat or something like that. And I, I think I think people, you know, that, that live in this area would really, really uh, latch on to that and, and think that that was a, a good idea. And, and I'd love to see it play out sometime. We've, we've seen some folks with the asados doing that. Yeah, but it's still not the same thing as yeah. coals in the ground. Right. And, like, th there's just such a primitive primal thing about that's that. Right. That's well, and that's super cool. Like, it's really aesthetically cool to look at. But it's never gonna eat like a like a pit cooked goat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've we've seen enough like hanging chickens at festivals that aren't done by the end of the festival. <laughs> yeah, you, you can yeah. hang a chicken. You could you could throw something in uh, center blocks, but you get it in the ground and just like you said, it's something real primal. It's 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 well, a man. Well, it's fire. And whole it's animal and cooking is and use of the whole animal is number one sustainable. It's also a lot of what barbecue originally it, it, always it's was. It's the ultimate yeah. roots of yes, barbecue. Yes, you know, I completely, 100% agree. Yeah, whether that's Mexican traditions, native traditions, 
you know, the, the, the enslaved people, these were, these were the traditions of, of America, you know, and, and how whole animals were cooked over fire. We geek out about it. Every time we go down to, uh, to Rio Grande Valley and we go down to Brownsville, we have to stop at Vera's every single time mm-hmm. because it is, it's the last bastion of that, that you can have in a you restaurant setting, That's right. you know, and, and, and Brian's had the eyes. We've had the ojos. Yeah. We did it once. I got to see what they were thinking. <laughs> you got the brains yet? <laughs> I, I've had, actually I've had lamb brains in India, but I've not had uh, brains here. Lamb brains honest. in India is also the title of our pop punk album yes, that we're putting is. out next year. <laughs> nice. It's a live album. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> All right, Arnis and Mallory, anything on the menu? Uh, mine's a little bit basic. We're a little bit like Jewel and Andrew in that um, there have been a lot of things that have popped up, and we just we do it. Um, Everybody's mom makes the best meatloaf. My mom makes better meatloaf than your mom. <laughs> and she has given Mallory the recipe probably three or four times since we've been married. And I swear she does not give her it's the, not recipe the right recipe because <laughs> she it, wants to be the Rotel only tomatoes. one. It's probably Rotel tomatoes. It could be Rotel. Um, so early, early on, before we made sausage, while we were trying to figure out what to do with all of our trim, um, a smoked meatloaf was, this was, uh, smoked meatloaf is obviously a thing very much now. Um, it, it was somewhere that I thought we could go with our lean trim as we worked on our social, uh, on our sausage uh, program. Um, so we, we took the fake recipe that my mom gave me and <laughs> tried to replicate it here in a, in a smoker and it was terrible. But if my mom would ever give me the real recipe for her meatloaf, I would like to adapt that to a, a smoked meatloaf to be able to serve. So you're saying we should not purchase your mom's masterclass videos? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Mallory, you know, is there know, anything that you'd um, like to throw on the menu? It's really hard. There's a lot of things that I would love to do, but doing a gluten-free version is hard for mass producing I want to do a macaroni and cheese we are asked about macaroni and cheese all the time it's really hard with a gluten-free noodle we have found several that are great it's just making it and holding it and trying to figure out how the a a normal customer isn't going to think it tastes different feels different Um, but I would love to do a mac and cheese so we uh, I I actually just told Mallory a couple days ago um, that our food purveyor um, they're, they're starting to carry a new service industry gluten-free noodle that's produced in Italy, and I'm waiting on some samples right now. Up till this point in our business, our green chili cheese grits have been kind of a macaroni substitute because there aren't good gluten-free noodles that will hold in the service environment, um, which our grits are a huge hit, so I don't think that we'd ever get rid of grits, but we, we, yeah, we would love to introduce macaroni and cheese. Ian. Yeah. Um Items, by the way, I just want to give a little announcement. If anybody gets too close to me and you see the singed hairs on my face, <laughs> I did get a little bit blown up today, and I just I figured there's no better time to announce that than now. Yeah. We um, said it was a I unique pit say, room, and yes, we meant yes. it. I don't want to have, like, it's just, it is what it is. tell on so your mustache. Just if now you're looking you at me, it. I yeah, just want you to know. Once he said it, yeah, we didn't notice until he pointed it out. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but now I think that you're thinking that. about it, and I just want to address <laughs> that right now and get <laughs> it out of the way. That's, so why, that that's why we're on. an audio-only show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, people can, like, imagine, like, I got a little bit blown up, so it's fine. But we've been just, anything we think, yeah, we've been pretty much cooking anything we just throw it on the food truck if it's weird so um we've been cooking as much weird stuff as we can that a uh, blueberry french toast yo man yeah we went straight yeah. to pit forks after yeah. we left the truck oh, today cool. y'all cool. can all be jealous y'all hey man i apologize <laughs> it didn't make it out of the kitchen because the kitchen crew they tore it up man it was awesome we're cooking man. all the weird wow. stuff yeah, and, and that's, you know, that's a good point. Like, doing a food truck is a great way to kind of extend your menu and, and try those things that are a little bit more unusual. Um, some people can do steak nights or other specific nights. But, um, yeah, the food truck you guys are doing and, and having the burgers out, great idea. Thank you. Taking it to the uh, the place we're in right now, to, to Evie Mays, it doesn't seem like that long ago that you guys were like the the new thing in barbecue, like like 2016 when you guys first was it 2016 you guys got in the building or started 2017, 16. somewhere around there. We moved uh, in here in, in 16, 16. And, and now you know here we are. Doesn't seem like that much longer in in 
the you know the span of Earth, but you're kind of some of the elder statesmen of the West Texas barbecue scene now. How, and I think probably at least half this panel has cooked on one of your pits at this point at least once. How has it been like going from the, this new barbecue place to kind of someone that that people might reach out to as you've been in this business and you've seen the trials and tribulations? Like, how's that transition been for you guys? Um, I mean, I. I understand what you're saying, and, and I was actually telling Joe this morning, Zavala, that to me, I think it's like growing up. Like, like I still, I'll turn 40 in December. I still feel like an 18-year-old. Like, I like I have the mentality, like, I'm, I'm an immature 18-year-old inside. Um, it's kind of the same with the business. Like, I don't... We've, we've seen the dashboard lyrics on your captions, we know. <laughs> you don't feel like this business, I mean, it... In reality, it is only eight years old. We're not we're not that old, but the uh, the resurgence of, of the industry, the timeline in the region immensely. Yeah, we we are old guard. That's what I told uh, Joe this morning. We are we are the old guard now, and <clears throat> it's cool. Like I love the fact that um, Michael asked me questions, and that's I cooked my first brisket like eleven years ago, and. He's asking me questions, and, and I'm not going to pretend to know everything, but I'm happy to share with him whatever I feel like I do know, any advice that I can give him. Um, I, I've kind of personally like adopted a quote the last year where it's like, like use your gifts. Like, use your gifts to do whatever you can with them. And that's, that's – I enjoy that. Like – we have pretty sweet gigs. The fact that all of us are able to pay our bills cooking barbecue. Um, Some months. Well, in, in an <laughs> annual period, we usually are able to pay all of our bills cooking barbecue. But what I'm saying is, like, we get caught up in, in the, the business side of things. I hate the business side of barbecue. That's not why I got into barbecue. I, I operated a landscaping business before this. Um, I want to cook barbecue. But... Um, use your gifts. Use your gifts to serve your, your customers. Use your gifts to serve your employees. Use your gifts to serve your, your community. And what I've realized in the last three years through the pandemic is we've, I have been blessed with a lot of gifts. And I, it brings fulfillment to me whenever I am able to serve somebody else by using my gifts. So, so with this, you know, with this experience with going through COVID, with going through whatever economic things we're going through now, um, there's a lot of people that are either just getting into barbecue or thinking about getting into barbecue. What is one piece of advice you can give them that you wish you knew when you started? I think that's good. I think that's a good around the table topic for everyone but you guys because you guys are the ones that need to soak up all of these tidbits that you're about to hear yeah, it is, it is although, although some of them might be don't do it yeah. <laughs> but but let's let, let's hear it let's go let's go around we'll, we'll we'll start at ian and work our way to the left this okay. time okay yeah um i think for people that are starting out just to focus on your reach and your community and Focus on what makes you happy and don't think about the bigger picture of things. Just focus on um, what, 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 what do you want to, what would satisfy you? Satisfy yourself and then other people will either like it or they won't, but you will be proud of that. Ernest Mellor? Um... <clears throat> I agree with what Ian said is, is kind of being true to what you do. Like we serve, we're serving something that, that I'm very proud of that we have developed as a team and we're proud of it. And we're not trying to, to, to cater that to any one specific person or customer that said, Hey, we don't like that. We want something different. Like we're doing what we feel comfortable doing. Um, but I would say they, Barbecue is weird. Barbecue is weird because you've got the barbecue industry, and then you've got like, well, like the craft barbecue industry, you've got barbecue fast food, you've got um, backyard barbecue, you've got competition barbecue. Barbecue brings out some weird people. Barbecue brings out some like super fanatics. Um, we are people not. Like I, I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, every day we get somebody that comes here and says, well, yeah, 
I, I've cooked barbecue my whole life. I'll let you know what I think. Yeah. Okay, dude. Like, we didn't ask you to come eat here today. <laughs> we didn't ask you to tell us what you think. Like, if you like it, come back. If you don't, don't come back. I'm sorry um, you have to come eat over here. So, but, uh, but along with that comes all the social media aspect of barbecue. Um, it, it's, it's cooling off a bit. A few years ago, like, when Instagram was really just on fire, uh, food porn, uh, a tray of barbecue is, is about the hottest thing in the world uh, when it's done right. Um, Especially if you cover it with queso. <laughs> <laughs> but I would encourage you, if you, if you want to get into barbecue for the social media aspect of it, to, to become famous... Keep your ass at home because this industry will wear you out before you ever achieve any level of success. Um, it, it's, a, it's a hard business. And what we post and what people see, that's the fun stuff. That's the good stuff. They don't see, well, in Jules' case, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to like make light of your situation, but they, they don't see the pit fires. They don't see... Uh, the, the meat that gets thrown in the trash because somebody hadn't run the rotisserie smoker before and they snuffed the fire and it turned 40 racks of ribs jet black at 6 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. And now I'm running to Costco and luckily I've got the meat dude's personal phone number and he's letting me in the back door to get ribs. And I'm, all I'm thinking about is how can we have some racks ready for service? Um, barbecue has become this thing that, that is so cool that people want to be a part of it. And that's great. That's wonderful. We all benefit from that. But that's not what it's about. And so I would encourage you, if you're sitting at home and you look at all these Instagram pages and, and social media posts from all of us in the industry, um, it's, not, it's, it's not always uh, as glamorous and glitzy as it looks online. It, it, this is a very, very hard industry to make your way in, um, especially now. Uh, you mentioned just the, with the economic climate and the, the meat prices and um, the supply chain and just everything that we have to deal with right now. It's like every day is a moving target, and we, we're just trying to figure out how to get to tomorrow. The un-Instagrammable side of the business. That is very, very Absolutely. right. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I feel like a lot of the time people only see the highlights like on Instagram, and it's really rare whenever – they're seeing the dark side of barbecue, as we like it, to call it. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they follow Patrick Fegis on Twitter, in which case they Patrick. see a lot of shit. <laughs> Patrick um, lets us all know. But, yeah, I would say uh, just, you know, if you start doing it, keep your eye on the prize. Remember why, you know, remember why you started and only focus on yourself. Don't worry about anybody else. And only you can make your business do well and only you can make your business do bad. So, Yeah. Um, we're over to pit forks and smoke rings. Yeah. Um, amen to all of y'all. All of that. Everything, man. Uh, hey, friends, man. <laughs> listen up, man, because everybody's got something to say, man, and it's learning curves, man. We've all been there. We've all been through the struggles, uh, the blood, sweat, and tears. It really does happen. Uh, you're not in it to be rich. You're not in it to be famous, man. You're in it for the labor of love, the craft of the actual the craft of the craft man i mean to see that person take that first bot like when you're looking out the window and you're seeing them with that tray and then they take that first bot and they're like yeah that's it like they, that's what you do it for. they got that lean back you know like praising the god look and everything <laughs> man that's your payoff man uh but in, if, if you're wanting to get into it uh just like everybody says man just remember what you're doing it for and uh the glory's there. I mean, if, if if you're looking for that, but if you're looking for uh, just really getting into like deep barbecue and doing it for the labor of love and not not worrying about what time it is and what I'm gonna go home early. I'm gonna go do this. No, I man, it's you get done when you get done. When that meat's done, then you're done. You know, it's it's the labor of love of it, man. And it's 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 not a uh, it's not an easy trade, man. It looks fun. It looks easy, man. 
Everybody it's why we, we really didn't don't do it. We did the pop ups and we said, You guys are nuts. Yeah. Like, we'll <laughs> go sit in our air conditioned office and stare at a screen and that's we'll, you know, we'll, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll have a slower, much more demoralizing death behind a screen. But but yeah, and that's why and honestly it's why we've done this for this many years is to tell the stories that, that don't get told enough. Yeah. But it's passion, man. It, I mean it, it every, is. everybody has a passion. I mean, everybody's got a passion, man. We our passion is barbecue, man. Everybody here's got a hand in barbecue and are are really great at barbecue, man, and they're up and coming to being great. But man, we're we're all here still trying to be great. Are we ever going to get there? Yeah, man, that's up to us. You know, that's every one of us here at this table, man. But we're going to get there. But don't do it. Don't do it for glory. Don't do it for you know like the fame and everything. Because man, if you don't get famous, man, you're gonna be good at what you do, man. Be great at it. I mean, your product sells you, man. You're in it for barbecue, man. So whatever everybody had today, tomorrow had better be up to that par or be better. I mean, because it's every day. You better be better every there's day. There's always no a target on is. your back. Yes, there's always a target on your back. And you never know who's going to walk into that door. You don't know who, what, what a customer is going to say. You don't know what they're, what they're expecting, man. But you know what to expect out of your, out of your product, man. So expect it to be great. And expect them to enjoy a great meal, man. That's what we're in it for, man. Uh, it's not, it's not money. It <laughs> damn sure ain't money, man. Everybody's everybody's been on the end of the table. We're like, hey, man, how many how many pennies we got in that account, you know? But we make it work because we love we love the shit out of it, man. <laughs> buy a cot, maybe. Yeah, buy a cot. Some place to sleep. Buy a cot. Really, really quick, and I, and I know you're you're a consumer, you're a listener. Um, we get customers come in and, and they look at the menu price and they see the line and they see the, the transactions in there. I mean, we've actually had people like at the block be like, are y'all just carrying the money out the back room? Mm. No, like we're not. You have no idea like yield loss. Um, you have no idea how, how expensive it is to do what we do. We're serving a center of the plate uh, protein that we can't cover up in inexpensive sides and everything else in order to do what we do. So just, just kind of to well, reiterate well, what he one, said about one money. One simple thing. I mean, I, I watched the price of rubber gloves skyrocket. And, and, and just that one little item, like I, I'd use them obviously sometimes for, for cooking at home. And, I, and you guys go through, you know, cases of those things. Dude, our crew, I mean, Chris, during, during the pandemic, like, this was pre-pandemic, actually. Chris would go through gloves like crazy. And I'd be like, that's 10 cents. That's 10 cents. That's 10 cents. <laughs> Post-pandemic? That's 25 cents. That's 25 cents. That's 25 cents. Guys, we're not even using gloves anymore. We're just going to wash our hands more, okay? Like, it's, it's absurd. And if it's not gloves, then it's briskets. And if it's not briskets or gloves, then it's pepper. If it's not that, uh, Morton's all of a sudden has a, uh, a labor dispute. And now we're having to source... Uh, kosher salt from somebody else and and they're not prepared to take over that market share i mean it's just always something and no we are not loading cash out the back door like we are scrounging and picking up other people's lost change that fell out while they were eating our food so that we can figure out how to keep the lights on yeah, not not necessarily this panel but there's some central texas panels where if there's ever a lowry shortage we're shutting down yeah. we're just done <laughs> we're done <laughs> All right, let, All right let, let, let's finish it up with the uh, well, keeping with the Game of Thrones themes. The the, the king of the north. We have uh, Olton, Texas, over here. Aaron and Christina, what what are your words of wisdom as you're now moving your business from a from a trailer now into a brick and mortar? What are some things you've learned? I think just what all these guys said is just mainly be do it do it for yourself and be true to yourself and don't try to do things just because that's what's hot on Instagram at the moment. Um, no think, beer at pastrami. <laughs> yeah. All right. um, I think, like you, like all these guys have said, if you're doing it to get famous or to get rich, you might stop right now because uh, that's not going to happen. Stop while you still have money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think another added to it is just realizing how much time that you will be away from your family um, and just always realize that, that, Fortunately, Christina and I work together all the time. Um, but, you know, there's, if you have kids, um, just realize that, you know, that, that plays a huge factor in, into this business too. Um, but yeah, just be ready to work hard, harder than you think that you've ever worked and 
Um, like I said, if you're doing it to get rich or famous, uh, just stop right now. So you mean to tell me that when y'all y'all sell out, y'all don't go home? <laughs> <laughs> Straight home. Or that we're Straight all home. open three Straight days home. a week. So what do we do with the mm-hmm. other days? Yeah, right. well, what's your yeah. real job? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best. Mm-hmm. What do you do on those other four days? You're not open. <laughs> Count all the all the spoons and knives and make sure that we <laughs> count enough. your money in the back. Yeah, count yeah. the money in the back. Like Scrooge McDuck, right? Yeah, you're, you're, money you're swimming going in the out back. The back. Yeah. Coming to help Arnest carry that bag of money in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now that we've scared the holy living hell out of Friends Barbecue, right? let's. Uh, <laughs> let, oh let, yeah, hey man, y'all still there? I think y'all should do it. I think, I think it's going to work out. Hey, I want to I want to interrupt really quick though, and everything's like barbecue's hard and. We, we all talk about the struggles and supply chain and price increases and all that stuff. But I'll tell you, I know you guys listening can't see, but there's tables behind us of people that are part of these businesses that are not on a microphone. Um, if you're, if you're going to do it, you have to rely on people. You've got to find people that you trust, people that will work hard, people that understand, people that will pick up the slack when you can't when if you have kids if your kids are sick or i mean we've all got something all the time but if you if you if you really love barbecue and it's something that you want to do it's funny people talk about raising a family takes a village having a barbecue joint takes a freaking village oh yeah the most successful barbecue places we've seen and and consistency and profit and and growth are places that have a great team behind them Absolutely. and that they can trust that team there's there's a uh, it's a book more on like business strategies but it, it's called the speed of trust but but that's what it is is it's building that great team and, and being able to trust in those people behind you absolutely yeah. we have we have some folks that have been with us for a long time and you know sometimes you know we are not on our game or we're stuck with kids or we're dealing with other stuff and they pick up the slack and they make it happen so Not sometimes like all, all the time, time. Ra- round of applause <laughs> the for the people that aren't on the mix yeah. all right so i would like to talk about boobs um hub boobs but no lubbock has a lot of strange weather here um from very hot he had gotten so good at segways after like year three or four i'm just like stretching this shit out and now we're back to this garbage we don't have a place like that anymore but but lubbock has some crazy weather i mean you know we've talked about you know when you got your pit bernie mac but um what i'd like each person to do and we'll start from the left to the right so we'll we will start with rahino this time but i want you to tell me about a cook a day an event Something where the Lubbock weather made it incredibly difficult and kind of how you overcame it. Or the Olton weather or the Slayton weather yeah, yeah, or the yes. Wolferth weather. Yeah. Something in West Texas. But, um, I mean, because you guys get windstorms, Just dust one, storms. though, right? <laughs> Your favorite one. But you one can talk day about or more, you want yeah. a week? Which one you want, yeah. man? It can be either. The one that's going to make uh, the most compelling, entertaining but, air. But we know, like, the weather changes drastically here and it changes quickly and it gets very cold here. And those factors, and, and again, we're trying not to scare the Friends Barbecue guys, but those factors can dramatically change your how you're going to manage your rest of your day. Um, you know, even us doing the, the smaller cooks we've done, temperature changes and humidity changes affect how long it takes your briskets to cook and how they're going to come out. Um, but you guys get some pretty dramatic stuff, and I like hearing about it. It sounds fun. Um, so we'll start with Reno. Yeah, so I can vividly remember a time I think we were a couple of months in doing this full time. It was whenever we just still didn't even have warmers yet. We were just, when the meat would come off, we would throw it into a cooler and hope that it stayed hot for three or four hours. Um, But I remember one night and it was maybe like midnight or 1 a.m. It was super windy and I could not get my smoker up to like even over 200 degrees. And it was just a 500 gallon and I remember texting uh, Andrew, Hill, and Isaac, and I, I first asked them, are you guys awake? Uh, <laughs> and then they responded, and I was like, man, I can't get my smoker over 200 degrees. Like, I have my vent open, I have my door open, and man, the wind's just killing me. I think it was closer to winter time too, so that made it worse. Um, and so that was just something that I'm always going to remember. Uh, but the wind here is just, 
absolutely brutal and i'm looking outside and seeing a flag <laughs> that's blowing like crazy right now but uh, up, how did you overcome that i mean just just keep cranking up the heat just or? throw a lot at the time i just threw a ton more firewood in i had the vent closed so i opened that up um so that way the heat had somewhere to go i was trying to keep the wind out uh so that was my problem there uh but now knowing all, everything that we've just gone through and how to adapt to that but um the wind is always kind of the biggest thing here and knowing how to play around and not let it affect your cook too much mm -hmm. uh, isaac at pitforks man over here yeah it's uh we don't we don't have days. We have seasons over here, man. We can have four, three seasons in one day, man. Uh, the wind is a big factor on our part. Uh, you There's know, we, nothing blocking anything. Nah, we, we're out in the open just like everybody else, you know, like Rejeno is and everything. And, you know, you get a windy day, man, you got to figure out, all right, where's this wind going? Uh, and it does affect your cook, man. So you got to learn how to regulate that on the – on the fly, man, because, man, you can get a westerly wind, which normally that's what we get during the summertime, westerly winds. Have you that, seen any challenges with the direct heat now that you guys have been doing some more direct heat in terms of the weather playing any effects on it? Yes. Uh, yes and no, man. But, I mean, your direct heat, man, it's going to get hot. You can get that thing as hot as you want, man. But our, our factor over here is we don't have any trees, man. So we don't have any wind blockage, man. We don't, we're working flat and open. <laughs> But uh, like I said, man, that thing can go from the from the west and then automatically turn from the north, man, and it turns your cook upside down. But well, and it tornadoes, like right where the pit sits in the building, it just tornadoes right in that little area. And so you can never figure out, like, okay, we got to open the door this far, open the door this far, or whatever. Emma and Brian are always like, gosh. <laughs> mm -hmm. Emma and Brian. The wind. Uh, they, uh, they, they, they're figuring out, hey, man, there ain't nothing out here. It's like, no, man, you got to figure. We can't move the pit. It's just right there. So, no, but we, we manage. Uh, they manage, too, man. They, they, they're doing a hell of a job, man. And it's being uh, being part of West Tech or, I guess, the panhandle over here. You've got, you got to be an outlaw to live out here, man, if you want to live in this crazy country, man. You know, because ain't nothing but dirt over here. But it's. That's home, man. That's, that's our ocean. We have brown oceans over here, man. <laughs> so I think for us, um, as far as the weather goes, I feel like we have it a little bit easier now where we're at. I don't know. I know Mike's cooked back in our pit, so he maybe thinks so too. But I know um, downtown, I feel like, is when it was worst for us. Um, Andrew did a lot of the cooking down there, so it was just really cold. We served under a pop-up tent for like a year. Um, so our tent used to go flying and customers would oh be my. like chasing it. <laughs> uh, they used to hold down like their butcher paper on their trays for us, like it's team effort. So, but yeah, I remember, um, gosh, we served in the art district and we would go into their metal shop. And at the time when we were down there, we had one car. So Andrew would be stranded down there all night and he would go into their metal shop. He wouldn't sit down, like he could not stop moving. So he would just walk around and pace like around their metal shop so he could stay warm so i think the cold really did him in then and then um the wind too probably around that time yeah well for us like we have it pretty easy being right this, there with the this is friends building. barbecue so. oh yeah. friends barbecue Absolutely. sorry um but i know for me when i was cooking out at the shack uh, i was actually cooking on one of evie Mays's pit i had a grease fire like probably a few weeks before and um we barely got this pit in and um <laughs> it was the first day that it was going to start pouring these west texas rains man they they hit like they hit hard and that one's always going to be memorable for me so rains have always been kind of just hard for me um so that's something i've been trying to just kind of embed in adam is that we're gonna we're gonna learn this we're gonna overcome this um because that one, I scorched almost every brisket that, that night because I did not know how to go off feel. I learned how to go off timings and temperatures. So that one, I scorched almost. And that's, that's exactly where the weather really mm -hmm. comes into play. Is it was throwing off everything. Like it, it was hard. So with Adam, I, I was able to teach him how to kind of go off feel thanks to Andrew and Jewel learning well, over there on Debbie K and a little bit on Quentin because Debbie K has got – well, it's got no temp gauges. You go based off feel on the pit. So with Adam, I've been very just fortunate to show him like, if you hear the sizzle, then you know it's still cooking no matter about, no matter what 
temp it's showing, no matter what you think, you got to trust your gut. You got to trust the what you're hearing. You got to trust what you're seeing. So the shack, man, being way out there on North Frankfurt, just kind of in the middle of nowhere too, man, it just it destroyed me. It was it was just raining so hard, and then the next day the the other pitmaster he he had a rough time too, but that's that's his own story on that one. Yeah, hundred percent. Boo Boo is do, he's doing his uh, he's doing his damnedest to make sure that that I I get that feel and you know Arnest we're, we're so blessed to to be able to use uh, that big green beauty that he let us use to <laughs> to get started and it's it's uh, I'll tell you what that's a machine right there and and we love every second that we get to cook on that thing and um, you know Boo Boo I, I never cook on something like that and Boo Boo said hey we're gonna have a, a fun time doing this and you know wouldn't you know it that the first time that we get to cook on that this west texas wind is uh, whipping up and you know he said there's gauges on here but don't pay attention to those what what's the temp at and i said we, 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 250 to you know whatever and he said but what's it at though and i said well it says 250 he said well you can't look at that because this wind's coming in here it's blowing everywhere which way like you really don't have any idea so i, I want you to really just sit here and just be with the pit and look at this firebox and see what the fire is doing and, and put your hand on this and you know how long can you put it on there this and that and and so every time that I catch myself he's inside prepping doing whatever and the t- it never fails hey will you will you go get that wood up go get that temp up cool yeah I'll go out there and do it as soon as I step outside that wind starts whipping around and I say hey forget about these gauges we got to see what this fire is doing I got to stand here you know be proactive with it and you know, growing up here for 30 years, it, you you learn that it's it's a part of, of who you are and, and what you have to deal with, and and you you learn to embrace it and and make it a, a part of you and part of your product. And I think, you know, with his lessons during that, and like I said, you know, Andrew Hill teaching him all that stuff over here, and the the great you know machine that we have from from Arnis, um, I'm real green on it, but I'm I'm having such a fun time learning how to deal with the elements and how to uh, cook, you know. A wooden fire and and I'm I can't explain how excited I am to to, to really just learn and, and to keep learning the, the whole process of, of all this stuff so it's uh it's, it's truly a blessing and, and I appreciate you know all the lessons from everybody so I think naturally we have such terrible weather all the time that if you learn to cook here you just kind of learn to mitigate those variables as you're learning um when, when we relocated here and started selling barbecue up the road out of the trailer, I was cooking completely exposed to the elements on the trailer. Um, it was like a gold wing trailer, so I built a 250-gallon pit on the back of it and um, always thought I'll be cooking up here with the doors open. Well, it, I mean, we I think it was the third week that we had been open, and we got this, like, wicked blizzard, and I was cooking on the back of this trailer with the doors down, um, with all the carbon monoxide and everything else um, because I, it was so frigid that no matter how big my fire was or how much like heat uh, sink there was in that small square footage, I had to have the doors down or it was, I was freezing cold and the pit was just, the, w- the heat was getting wicked right off of it. Um, when we moved into this space and had an enclosed pit room, I thought that it was going to be just like night and day different Cadillac we're just gonna put these pits inside and we're gonna start cooking and everything's gonna be controlled and perfect not the case uh, turns out you got to worry about what's on the other side of your exhaust flue as much as you have to worry about what's going on like down in the firebox um, it took months for me to relearn how I had cooked outside versus cooking indoors with an ambient temperature down here that is completely different than the ambient t- temperature and wind speed and direction that's 15 feet up in the air at the top of those flues. Um, that was a major learning curve. But um, the, the folks that we hired after that to learn to cook, they've only ever cooked inside. They've only ever cooked on these pits with these flues that are up in the elements and we're down here in this room. It's surprisingly easy for them to adjust still, even now. I can come in on a uh, Joe's doing the morning cook or Christina's doing the morning cook and maybe they've got like one of the overhead doors cracked three inches and they've got the side door open seven inches and that's that's what they they didn't like figure that out that day they just oh this is what the weather's doing right now this is what we got to do um, but what um, I don't want to bore you with how crappy our weather is I'll tell you the scariest weather related event I had 
was in 2016, we had been invited to go to the Texas Monthly Barbecue Festival as the newcomer of the year. And that is the first week of November. And I didn't have a pit that we could take with us. Um, I didn't have the money to rent a hotel room. Uh, we were going to go. We were going to do the thing. And we were going to come home. Well, the only way that, that I felt comfortable doing that was cooking, cooking briskets here, hot and fresh. And then we're going to put them in our igloo coolers because that's what we got back then. And haul them in the back of the truck all the way to Austin and start serving at 11 o'clock in the morning till as late as potentially 4 o'clock in the afternoon. First week of November. Um, Nathan had just started. Like, it was literally the first solo cook that Nathan ever did. And I wrote out everything. Like, here, here's, a, here's a schedule of events. I am going to be here at 3 o'clock in the morning to pick up these briskets. So I get here. He's pulling off the last of the briskets, put them in the igloo coolers in the back of my truck. Me and my brother-in-law head to Austin. It is 30 degrees in Lubbock, and I'm doing 80 miles an hour, so I don't know what the wind chill is, but I get about to post, and I realize I don't, I don't know if these briskets are going to stay hot enough to serve all day tomorrow in Austin. Um, I had, I think whenever I left here, I had thrown some of our remote probes in the coolers, just not in a brisket per se, but just in the box, so we'd have some idea of temperature. And I was freaking out the whole time because we were watching this temperature inside these coolers just drop, 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 drop. Uh, we get to Austin, we set up shop, and um, it had to have been like the hottest day ever the first weekend of November that year because we were, we were drenched in sweat. It, it really was. It was probably like low 90s. It was, it was a weird thing for them to be having this, this heat wave. Um, but we were serving briskets that were so hot at 3 o'clock in the afternoon that even with cotton gloves on underneath my nitrile, I couldn't handle the bottom of a brisket pulling it out of one of those coolers. Um, all that to say, all these guys in the golden triangle that are cooking in with uncomfortably high humidity levels and really mild, not mild, but like um, really, uh, non-extreme weather, have it so much easier. I've cooked in Dallas, I've cooked in Houston, I've cooked in Austin, I've cooked in Fredericksburg, I've cooked, I've cooked a lot of different places. I think we need to have an event here <laughs> where all these guys that think they're, they're really, really great at what they do, let's get you out here like the middle of April yeah. and uh, see, <laughs> yeah. see how you handle our, our extreme weather. All right, Ian, Ian, at Tom and Bingo's, you have probably one of the very most unique pit rooms in all of barbecue. Uh, how does the weather come into play, and is there any interesting uh, time you've had to deal with weather changes in that pit room? Yeah, yeah, I just want to pretty much piggyback off uh, everything Arnis said and um, just go ahead and say that as well. Um, but I also want to say there was a time the other Friday where I uh, was taking a shower the morning before, and I was kind of setting the humidity for my hair <laughs> <laughs> as to kind of like set the curl level. <laughs> and <laughs> the next morning it rained, and it oh kind no. of threw everything off. <laughs> I was <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. I mean, one of the, the whole reason why we spent that much time on it is because, you know, again, because we're nerds, but we, we understand, like, how much this, this change in Lubbock temperature year over year, month over month, really does affect, and, it, and it's much harder to produce a good product. Um, but it's great to have everybody from, uh, again, kind of the old standard right now in, in – Lubbock barbecue to... I don't know if I'd go there. Yeah, the freshest so guys young. on the pit. I mean, y'all the guys are sit, sitting next to each other, and so that's great. We're only eight. Um, like, we're super young. But, but that's, that's, again, time seven in, in, in barbecue years, right? Um, people that are just going into brick and mortars, both <coughs> Hill Barbecue, Rahino, um, expansions with uh, pit forks and smoke rings, and again... Like and the newest up-and-comers yeah. and Friends Barbecue in Lubbock. I mean, it's it's such an exciting thing to watch this grow, and and, and it makes us feel old because we are, 
But but like I said, when we came out here for the first time in 2017, there wasn't a whole lot out here in terms of modern day barbecue, whatever phrase and term you want to give it. And and to see, no, we didn't have to eat five meals in a day. No, well, like I said, when when we started planning this, like I don't know how the hell we've done this for 200 episodes, but when we started planning this way back last year. One of the things that we were told by someone that we really respect in barbecue, and that's Jonathan Fox from Fox Brothers, is that when we started doing this, we were looking for good barbecue, and now we're looking for the good in barbecue because there's enough good barbecue out there. And I think there's a lot of good in barbecue at this table, and I really think that nice. you know, what, what you guys are doing is it's hard work, it's talent, and it's passion, and, uh, and that's what keeps us entertained and keeps us energized and keeps us wanting to, to go out there and seek out these stories and Thank you guys for taking the time, for Thank sharing you your so story. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you to Evie Mays, Arnis and Mallory for Michael hosting Hall. us. Michael Absolutely. No, we're, we're, we're so thankful for you guys. Like, again, kind of going back to this, this crazy world that we live in where two guys from Houston want to travel all the way out here to do a podcast roundtable with us <laughs> is a little bit insane. insane right? is, Never right? got that in landscaping. Yeah. Nobody ever wanted to do like a landscape maintenance <laughs> podcast. So. No one wants to do a four four seasons, podcast either. We're like the only that. ones left doing yeah, this I don't want to do crap. a fix and flash <laughs> podcast, man. I can help y'all. Man. <laughs> uh, no, man, but man, y'all look at y'all man. Uh, everybody at this table has Got, got y'all's podcast, man. Every time I've walked, I've walked over here when we used to pick up wood over here from uh, Arnest and them here at Evie Mays, walking to their cold room. Man, there's a there's a Tales from the Pit podcast <laughs> getting down. Everybody's <laughs> quiet, but doing work. But there's y'all's voices sitting there, man. Y'all are kind of like the uh, the Monday Night Footballs, uh, the announcers <laughs> and stuff, man. You're like, man, I don't expect that voice coming from that dude, man. man but it's uh, we have faces for radio. Yeah, Come on, yeah. But <laughs> but now for real, man. Thank y'all, man, because man, that's we, we got to connect with everybody here, you know, that are that dude over there, Joe, man. I mean, we, we got to connect with that dude. I feel like I've known that dude forever, know his story, man. And so every time we get to run into barbecue people and pit masters that are well-respected around the world, man, it's like we know them. No, it, and that, that's because of y'all, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all kicked it off, man. So, hey, man, mad props to y'all, man. Congratulations on that. 200 episodes, man. That's 200. This show kind of feels like it started when, when, when we shut up and just let Arnest talk, like, probably six years ago, because we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Huh? We didn't, we, neither one of us had ever listened to a podcast when oh, we started one. Like, like literally had never listened to one. And, and so we, we drove out here in 2017. We had Arnest on the show, and, and we mostly just shut up and let yeah, Arnest tell Yeah, we stories. realized the best way to do our show is to shut it's up to and shut let the people hell talk. Up. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, to yeah, shut yeah. the hell up, because you guys man, are the interesting ones. Man, that, that podcast y'all did, man, I was sitting... At Pitforks, when it was a mechanic shop, fixing a flat on the ground, whenever he was talking about uh, Arnis's journey, whenever you were sitting there starting, y'all first had him on there, and I was listening to that, man. So, like I said, listening to their journey, and then I'm sitting there busting the flat, and now we're doing barbecue. And that's, that's because it, it, y'all, man. It just y'all proves what we do best is nothing. Yeah. It, it no, is. What man. we do best is nothing. Let hey, you guys tell your you, story. Thank you guys for how, telling your story. How often do y'all have a situation during service that just makes you cry? Every day. Oh, man, dude. Like, man, almost every, every day, day, right? Every time, dude. Every time. There's always something. I know. There's always that one little thing. You're like, man, for real. I know. You got to walk to the back. I know, man. <laughs> like, I'll be right back, guys. <laughs> yeah, man. Mad Prowse, man. Everybody at this table, man. Look, man, it's, man, there ain't no slouches at this table, man. I don't and, know how long it's been since, like, all of us has actually, like, been in the same room. It had to have been last. We're always working. I know. <laughs> it's forever ago. Yeah, I mean. Man, it's it, it's cool, man. The journey the journey's awesome, man. And just being here at this table, man. This is a well-respected table, man. Man, there ain't like I said, man. This some 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 good heavy hitters that are also in the name of Texas barbecue, man. Sitting right here, man. And we all a part of that, y'all. Y'all, y'all see that? Y'all see this? Oh yeah. That's badass. Yeah. Not bad for a bunch of misfits. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of band of misfits, man. But man, look look how much fun we're having, man. And the labor of love, and no matter what you go through, man. I mean, this 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 is one of the payoffs, y'all. Y'all, y'all see this? It's, it's what we enjoy, though, bringing you guys together because we again we're geeks, but we recognize what all you guys are doing and the the ability to be able to have this moment with you guys. But what we're going to do now is we're going to turn off the mics and we're going to let you guys have some fun. Um, so thanks yeah. everybody for listening. Yes. Um, Th- thank yes. you anyone thank that's you. listened to one minute of this show to 200 episodes to everyone that's told their story. Thank you to barbecue and we will talk with you next time.